Hi everyone, welcome back to See the Invisible, Living with an Invisible or Rare Disease. My name is Rhonda Franny Jefferson, and thank you so much for taking some time out to listen today. If you're new here, welcome. To share a little bit about why I started this podcast is I just wanted to share some more positive thoughts um, to let people who do have invisible or rare diseases know that they're not alone and that even though everybody's situation may be different, that we all do have a lot of things in common as well, and we should all be there to support each other. Now, today I'm going to get right into the podcast. Um, Usually what I do is I'll read some articles and then share some of my opinions or, um, you know, my understanding of those, and do I have any situational examples, I will put them in as well. Today, I'm not going over articles per se in the fact that a lot of what I'm going to say after I briefly go over what was in an article is a lot of opinion based on my particular circumstances. So before I start, I am in no way a medical insurance or legal expert. If you do have any questions regarding those specific fields, please make sure that you're reaching out to a specialist in that area so that you get the correct and complete information. Information on this podcast is in no way intended to be medical advice. It is just myself sharing on situations, examples, and my opinions regarding certain matters in health. Okay, so this week has been quite eventful, and it's only Monday. I did not even get a chance to record this over the weekend, which I had really wanted to do. But with my own health issues, I'm having um, some difficulty in moving around, um, having a lot of fatigue based with that as well. And on top of that, if you have listened to previous episodes, my father has just started a battle with cancer. But he's also had this issue for years where he's bleeding, but nobody can figure out where. So after the colon cancer was found, everybody just assumed that was it. It would be taken care of, but it wasn't. Um, I took him to have some tests done at the hospital at the same time I was having tests done, and then he had a port put in for his chemo. Um, By the time I got home, his doctor was calling me saying I needed to take him back to the hospital, which I did on Thursday, and he's still there. He's had at least one transfusion, and we were faced today as a family with a decision to to make regarding his upcoming care. He said that he would want us as his children to make that decision. So I spent a couple of hours between talking to his doctor um, and my siblings and trying to come up with an answer that was the best given the situation, but it was really a no-win situation. Um, No matter what occurred, there could possibly be negative outcomes. So, you know, once he's discharged, which is a whole other issue because he's scheduled to be discharged the day after I'm making this episode, where they still have not found out where he is bleeding from. And I myself have a doctor's appointment as well tomorrow. And my son starts his first day of school. 
that's my 12 year old, almost 13. And he and his brother are a year apart in school. They're about 21 months apart by age. Now, since his younger brother um, is in sixth grade, they started a day early to get oriented with the building. And, you know, as I think most parents, if not all, and I very rarely want to say all or never or every, you know, any, any type of absolute term, but this is a case where it may be that literally every parent is worried about what's going to be going on this school year. And it's unfortunately not just the, the worry of, you know, is my child going to do well in the classes? Are they going to have a good open communication um, with their teacher? Um, my son's also on the autism spectrum, my older one. So I want to make sure that the teachers understand that he has a very analytical and very direct mode of conversation, um, you know, metaphors, similes, things like that, just, just don't work there. And so that is always, you know, in the front of my mind. But this year we have COVID. Now, yes, we had COVID last year, but many parents were choosing to do the remote learning in some areas, schools had to be closed down again after reopening. There was just a mix of different scenarios where some places school was, you know, remote almost the entire year. In other places, you know, there were hybrid, um, you know, possibilities, um, such as being at home some days and at school other days. You know, it's, it was not a one-size-fits-all approach, definitely. So we approached this school year, at least in my family, with even more hesitation than last year because my father does not live with us, but we do have some of the most room in the family. So he needs to be with someone. Um, so actually it will be good because we'll be here for each other if I have an issue with my health care. Um, he can be here for me and I can be there for him. But we're both immunocompromised. I mean, I'm having um, an antibody test to see if I need to get the booster or the third shot based on the medication that I need to take to just to keep functioning. And even right now, that medication isn't really doing its job to the fullest. The, the numbers in my, um, my blood tests they're they're really really high. They haven't been this high and let's see since I've been in the hospital previously. So you know stress can cause issues, and I'm sure that um, you know that's probably playing a part. But a lot of what I worry about is for my children. Now, in a lot of ways, I feel very, very fortunate to be living in a time period that I am living in now. Maybe I'd prefer to be living 100 years from now if there was a cure for my illness, but I don't know. Um, I don't know even if I'd want to, to do that if it meant changing anything in my life now. I have a wonderful family. I have the best kids, and I know I'm a little partial there, but I think they are. Um, they're very caring and loving. But 
genetically, hereditarily, I'm sure I said that word wrong, um, there's, there are some things that run in families. And right now, though, we're learning more about it with the advent of things like 23andMe, where we can kind of see what we're more at risk for. And, you know, with my sister also having an autoinflammatory disease and by 23andMe, um, found out that my godmother was actually my cousin. We did not know that. My dad had many, many, many siblings, and some were closer than others. And from 23andMe, I found out that her son was my second cousin, um, and we had not seen each other in years. I think I was a very small child, and he was an adult at the time. And he, he was listed as my second cousin. And just, you know, through looking back at everything, his mother, who, based on some of the information I have, is um, where I think the connection is, but she had an autoinflammatory disease as well. So looking at my children, I know now, um, since my diagnosis, um, since my sister passing away, that they are probably more at risk for autoinflammatory diseases. Now, going back a little bit further, when COVID you know, was first establishing itself, when there were you know children who were quote unquote you know getting over COVID, it was found that many of the kids um, exhibited symptoms of an autoinflammatory-like disease. So I've always had a concern that okay children who have had COVID and are recovering, it looks like they are showing symptoms of autoinflammatory illnesses. So does that mean this could trigger that in my child? And I've been very cognizant of that. And some people have said that's living in fear. And I don't really, I don't see it that way. I see it as, you know, knowing what to look for keeping my eyes open instead of trying to ignore things. Um, you know, if I call the doctor and ask a question, what's the worst that can happen? You know, they're, they're going to answer my questions. So I don't really see it as living in fear. Am I protective? Yes, and I will be. So, you know, my son is home now. Um, he's been through every single classroom at his school for middle school. And that concerns me too. Last year, school was set up so that the teachers changed rooms, not the children. But this year, children will be changing rooms. Now, across the nation, there are different mandates that are being followed. In some schools, the mandate is you must wear a mask. Other schools, it's optional if you've had the vaccine. Other schools, they're just allowing an opt-out no matter what, whether or not you've had the vaccine. And I don't want to get pol what's considered political. I don't really see it as political. I see it as compassion and understanding and empathy for, you know, other people. And I know I'm probably going to upset some people, but you know, this is my situation, having myself and my father being um, immunocompromised and just with an understanding that, you know, what we have is hereditary and 
you know, what would be the impact of my children getting this? My older son has had his vaccines. It's not been approved yet for my younger son. So a lot of people where I live don't want to wear masks or get the vaccine. Now, overall, I believe in personal freedom. If we don't have personal freedom, then honestly, what's the purpose of us really being here? Freedom is you know, a key component in being an individual. In fact, I guess you could say it's the first component in being an individual. But where does that stop and the good of the community begin? Now, months ago, and since then I've actually seen this given as an example, is driving laws. You know, when the mask mandates were lifted or when people were saying they should be lifted by now, a lot of things that I saw were quotes that contained the words, you know, personal freedom and liberty and my choice. And going through comments on that, whether I responded or not, or I was just going through information, there were a lot of, well, those who are immunocompromised just need to stay home. And, you know, I, I concur that those who are immunocompromised need to take precautions, but to say that anybody who's immunocompromised, um, and also by extension of those at risk, meaning if they're elderly or they have any other underlying medical condition, to say that every single person within those categories needs to stay home would mean a very high percentage of the people in the United States and just focusing on the United States would need to stay home. Just looking at my immediate family, and I'm going to include my siblings in this, you know, I have, let's see, four who are over 65 and one who is close to that. I have some who have diabetes, some who, you know, have other health concerns that will put them in the at-risk category. And even within those you know, subgroups, you know, my siblings and then their spouses, their kids, grandkids, there are also those who are young who have underlying health conditions where you know, COVID can really harm them and possibly kill them. And I don't like to say that word, that it will kill them, but there's no other way to say it, that you know, people, I think, are not really accepting that it, that COVID can harm those who are younger, that it can, can harm those who are what's considered healthy. And there have been many people who've died that way. Um, you know, they were young, they were healthy, they were an athlete, and they you know, thought everything was going to be fine. And even after a year and a half of you know, going through COVID, of going through lockdowns, I think that there are still some people who don't understand that fact, that it's not just affecting those who are elderly or with underlying medical conditions, that it can affect everybody. I think people also don't realize just who are those people that are considered at risk. And those people are you know, anybody with diabetes, those with breathing issues, asthma, 
you know, those who are undergoing chemo treatment, those with um, illnesses that require, like mine, a biologic, which decreases the immunity, or a steroid, which can decrease the immunity. And the list can go on and on and on. So when you look at a family and you really look at what it means to be at risk, I would say, at least for the families that I know, at least half of the people would be considered at risk, if not more. So even after a year, I'm, I'm feeling by responses that I've seen, by interviews that I've seen done, that that understanding is not there. So an example that I've given, I know I got a little bit off track, um, an example that I've given about you know, having the personal freedom and liberty were about driving rules. Now, like I said, since then, I'd, you know, I've seen some other people use that example. But in a back and forth comment session, I would say, with someone that I went to school with, um, you know, she was saying that I was living in fear. You know, me, not her. You know, she, when she was talking, she was talking about me, that I was living in fear by you know, thinking people should still be wearing masks. Yet her next responses were that, you know, she was taking care of her elderly parents. She had an illness that made her immunocompromised, and she was pregnant as well. So, you know, she felt it was up to her to stay home and, you know, not infringe on anybody else's liberty. But my thought in my head was she's saying that, but she's saying I'm the one living in fear but she's the one who has made the decision not to leave her home. So I really had to question what those, um, what that understanding really was, because to me it was almost the opposite, that I wanted to get out and be able to do things, and that by just taking a few precautions, you know, people could still do that. At least to my belief or my understanding, I'm looking at, things in a bigger picture that, you know, even within each household, there can be people who are immunocompromised. And then to a greater extent within the community, there's co-workers, there, you know, are your customers, if you're in a customer-facing um, type of job. Um, I mean, just so many people who might be immunocompromised. And to just take a simple step to at least try to decrease um, the possibility of having a deadly virus spread, you know, to me, it, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer that, okay, if somebody, you know, can wear a mask, it helps at least, you know, lessen the possibility of getting COVID. Now, to this person, I used an example of driving a car because she was saying that, you know, again, it was, you know, her life. It did not affect anybody else. So, you know, she should be able to, you know, not wear a mask, not get a vaccine, and not care about any anything else, basically. Um, so I said, so if you're in, in a car, you know, whether it's going to a stoplight, whether it's speeding, it's really the same thing because you're in a car, you're not affecting anybody else by living your, you know, your life the way you want to live it. 
But if you break certain rules, if you speed, if you go through a red light, you know, anything like that, it's the same thing because you're in your personal vehicle, you're making your personal choices, but it affects somebody else that has no say in it. The same thing when you're wearing a mask or, you know, I, I'm going to keep getting a vaccine out of it because even though I've had my vaccine, I can, to a greater degree, understand that, you know, some people don't want to just get a vaccine that is relatively new. Um, I will, however, add that, you know, the flu vaccine each year has to be adjusted to whatever flu strains they believe are going to be, you know, more prevalent that year. So each year that is actually something slightly different. So, you know, kind of along the same premise of COVID vaccines, you know, the basic knowledge was there on how to make a vaccine. It was just being able to replicate what was needed in order to create that vaccine. So, you know, again, I will leave getting a vaccine out of the equation in some ways, but even just putting on a mask, equate that to, you know, obeying a you know, street sign, obeying the speed limit. You know, it, you're doing everything within your car. It's your personal right, yes. But when you're speeding or if you disobey traffic signals, that can hurt someone else who, you know, was doing everything properly. They were driving the speed limit. They were watching the traffic signals. But someone else made a different decision and it impacted them. So I'm looking at, you know, just the simple tasks of wearing a mask, practicing social distancing, using hand sanitizer, because believe it or not, there are some people who, you know, see all of those suggestions as a limitation of their freedom. Now, from the beginning of the podcast, I have said many times that, you know, everybody is different. We come from different backgrounds. We have different illnesses. Our socioeconomic backgrounds may be different. You know, so there's lots of things different. And I never want to be someone who looks at, you know, someone and, you know, how they're managing things and think, well, it would have been better if if they've done this or if they've done that. But when it comes to community health, when it comes to, you know, the well-being of not just the adults, but our children, I feel like I need to be a little more vocal. You know, it's, it would be nice to think that no child will ever be sick. But there were children who died during COVID. And COVID's not over. We also have the variant that, you know, is more aggressive. So just starting this week, it, you know, it's concerning. And I don't want to make it sound like I don't want my children to ever leave the house. But I also need to approach COVID with a healthy respect and understanding of what it can do. So my little social butterfly went back to school and he had changed from the previous year. He's always been outgoing. People flocked to him. You know, he was just such a sweet, outgoing, loving little boy. He's turned more introverted over the past year and I can see that. So I know emotionally, mentally, going back to school is really good for him. But I have to emphasize 
be careful. You know, don't touch your mouth, you know, unless you've washed your hands. I explained that that's a lot of the reason for having a ma mask on. Um, it's not just if someone sneezes, it's also, you know, to protect yourself because you touch other things. And then you just so many times during a day, we automatically put our, you know, fingers to our mouth. And that way, it has that one extra layer of protection. So what I would suggest, and this is just, again, you know, my thoughts, it's how I know that my school district works, that right now, you know, masks are mandated. Um, I think I'm pretty fortunate overall that um, my community feels like we need to protect our children and, you know, wear masks. I know other communities um, that are close by have had protests about a mask mandate saying that children shouldn't be made to. You know, but again, I look at it as you know, helping the community overall. I know that if anyone were to ever tell me that just wearing a mask would, you know, even if just slight, a slight chance, be able to help someone or protect someone, even if I didn't know them, I would do it. I mean, I just, I would hope that within a community, people would be there to support each other. Now, I know that people listening have different situations. Um, I will admit, I do not have a huge following on this podcast, but I you know, really hope that I'm not offending anyone with my thoughts. Again, these, this is my situation in that I have auto-inflammatory illness. I know it runs in my family. My dad is on chemo. And just based on our situation, we have to take every precaution necessary. But, you know, again, looking at it from a community-wide aspect that, you know, if going to school, you know, I sent my kids to school and there was somebody in one of their classes that was immunocompromised and, you know, them wearing a mask may help prevent, you know, them catching um, a virus, I would say, yeah, they can wear a mask, definitely. Because if I were in that situation, I would want community members to you know, be there to support me as well. That's why we're a community and we want to protect each other. And I know I might be, you know, sugarcoating everything. That's my ideal. I would love, you know, to be able to know every neighbor, know where they work, know their interests, their birthdays, you know, and just be able to have like one big family. And, you know, I know it's not like that. But at the same time, I still kind of have this idyllic, you know, community in mind where everybody knows everyone and they want to help and support each other. So what I'm going to say is please treat everyone with respect, even if they don't have the same opinion as you. you know, they have a right to their opinion. If you do want to discuss something with them, you know, try to, you know, let them finish, get their information. That will help you as far as understanding exactly why they feel the way they do. And then you can explain your situation. I know that we're never going to come to a place where, you know, everybody is going to say, yes, I'm entirely happy with what's being done now. And, 
you know, just agreeing on how this needs to be approached. It's not going to happen, I know. But I, I guess I just have this, this thought or this dream that everybody works together for the good of everyone else. I really feel that most people still do. There are handfuls of others who don't, but I think we need to, you know, me, I guess I should say, I need to get past the negative and that, you know, I really think that most people are doing what they think is best. Even if I don't think it's best, it is what they think is best. But again, I know where my, my feelings are going to fall. It's going to fall on protecting my children. Um, you know, that, you know, the sayings I've seen, my children, my choice, or my child, my choice. Okay, but what about the child in the classroom who is following mandates, but someone, you know, who is not wearing a mask sneezes and they somehow touch the same thing. And during lunch, you know, it, they somehow touch their mouth. I know it's a small percentage that that would transmit it, but it still can. And wearing masks won't totally eradicate the spread, but it, it can help mitigate it. And you know, I just really hope everybody kind of takes a step back and, you know, will follow mask guidelines, will, you know, try to encourage their children to, you know, make sure that they're using hand sanitizer, that they're, you know, washing their hands just as importantly, that, you know, they're keeping their masks up and to just be supportive of each other, be supportive of each other's opinions and be respectful because, you know, if we're not respectful of someone else's opinion or situation, then how can we expect them to be compassionate and understanding about ours? So these are just really kind of my thoughts on sending my child back to school. I had intended to give some tips about what we can do, but this kind of went a little bit longer sharing an opinion. Um, I guess because I have seen protesters on TV um, saying, you know, people shouldn't be made to wear masks. Um, but yeah, definitely longer than I intended. So I'll probably do a follow-up episode, whether it's this week or next, about some tips on what you can do to try to keep your child safe. I may even record it right after this and um, upload them, you know, today and tomorrow, um, just depending on what I can find. But thank you so much for listening today. Um, I'm sorry if you know, someone does have a different opinion, if this offended you in any way. I just wanted to express what my situation was and how I would act in certain situations in that, you know, I, I think that wearing a mask is, is something important that I think everyone can do to try to help lessen the spread. All right. So if you do want to contact me, my contact information is in the description of the podcast. I really didn't use um, any articles, um, just kind of what I've observed. Um, in the next episode where I'm giving some tips, then yes, um, I'll be looking at some articles, so I'll go ahead and link them. 
um, in the description. All right. So I hope everyone has a good rest of your week. If your children are starting school, hang in there. I know it's going to be a hard week. Um, and take care, everyone. Bye.